Look at my butt. Show number 235 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK talk about Silicon Valley Comic Con. It's Sunday. It's Sunday afternoon. And today we walked a total of, yeah. uh, according to my Fitbit, 7,549 steps. Which That's less than 500 steps less than yesterday, which was a full day. It's true. And we also walked 3.45 miles. Wow. Which is pretty good. Yeah. For a con. I mean, that's not. So that's what we did today. We mm-hmm. did a lot of walking, but we did even more yesterday at Silicon Con Valley, Valley Comic Con in beautiful downtown San Jose. It could not have been more downtown, in fact. And it could not have been more beautiful. Oh, my God. It was perfect. It was just perfect. great, great weather. Yeah. So you will remember, listeners, that we went to this last year. We had a really good time. We wanted to go again this year. So the way we did it this year was that we bought um, a three-day pass, and we were VIP gold. Gold. (laughs) VIP gold. Because it wasn't that much more for the bump up. Mm -hmm. And with VIP, there were some really great perks. Yes. Uh, One of which is the most... Popular crowded events had VIP lines, yes. and you got in first. Oh, it was so good. And seating, too. And, and special seating. Um, and there were two VIP lounge areas where you got free water yeah. and free beer. Free beer. It was great. It was so nice. It was awesome. Uh, the VIP lounge area in the convention center was uh, a big room. It had uh, chairs and tables and couches and places where you could plug in your tech to recharge it and some fairly nice people who were helping. And they also had some surprise autograph sessions down there that you didn't have to pay for, which was really nice. Right. So you could just, you know, like people would come and you could get your autograph, meet them or whatever. And then the other one where they had the beer and the water was actually outside in a park, which had been um, closed. It's this very small sort of a panhandle kind of park Mm -hmm. where they had... Uh, food trucks and there was some music and some games and people selling stuff but this area was uh, fenced off literally fenced off and there were also couches outside that you could sit on and it was very very nice it was just gorgeous and um Saturday, as many of you may know was also Earth Day yes and it was also March for Science yes all over the world and so they had a rally from like noon to one or something right there in that park so yeah. that all of us science-minded people attending this con could at least, you know, walk around with science, make our voices heard. Well, we came out and we went to where this VIP area was and people were all lined up along the fence listening to speakers. And then there's like a hole where the fence is open so there were no people there. But there was also nobody... <laughs> In the VIP area. Yeah, we were kind of like, oh, no, it's closed. Is it, is it closed? <laughs> what has happened? And we're standing there looking really puzzled. And this security person, he was really, really sweet. He smiled and he, like, waved his hand at me, like, come in, come in, because he saw our badges. You are a VIP. And so we went in there. We got our free beers. We sat down on a couch. <laughs> In the open air, we were not at all far from the stage where the speakers were. We listened to speakers. We yeah. cheered. We drank our beer. We were totally elitist because no one else was there. There's people all around us outside this fence, and here's the two of 
bus like <laughs> at our cocktail party. <laughs> sitting and drinking for science. Yes. It was very good. So, I am always happy to sit and drink for a good cause. So that was pretty awesome, I have to say. Um, so that was great. Um, I really enjoyed the VIP experience. I loved getting in early to the panels <sighs> and uh, just generally getting pretty nice treatment from yes. the people. So here's what we did. Um, we went on Friday night mm -hmm. because uh, Bill was Bill. was going to be there. We were going to go anyway, but it, they, they were. It was interesting. They added stuff pretty late. So Bill's panel on Friday night, his talk was not added until Friday morning. Mm -hmm. When I got up, I checked the schedule. It's like oh, Bill's talking tonight. Oh my God! Now we definitely have to go. And they continued to do that throughout the weekend, where where little panels were added, and mm -hmm. there were a couple of uh, surprise celebrity appearances. So uh, we went down there and got our stuff. We looked around. Bill was actually speaking in um, a theater that was across the street from the convention center. A really nice theater. Oh, beautiful. How many people do you think that holds? Oh, I'm no good at that. Okay. Don't ask me. Right. It wasn't huge. I mean, it wasn't like 5,000 seats. It no, was it wasn't, like... you know, an arena, but it was large. So uh, we got there and we sat down and um, it was supposed to be Bill talking for a while and then he was going to talk to Steve Wozniak for a little bit, and the two of them were going to interview some uh, scientists, some women who happened to be scientists, also YouTubers. Um, and that's not quite the way it happened. No, Bill came out, and I instantly noticed he was walking uh, a little stiffly and slower than usual. And almost first thing he said was, I'm not feeling well. Mm -hmm. I have some indigestion, and I, I got worried. And I felt very bad for him because he wasn't his usual energetic self. Of course, you know, Bill is not going to let you down. Yeah. He's, he's such a trooper. But, um, you know, he took questions and, and told stories and everything. And then Steve came out and they sort of chatted. Mm -hmm. And then Bill said, and I'm going to leave you now. And Steve Wozniak is going to interview these two lovely young ladies. And, and Bill left. And I'm sure he was just tired and wanted to crawl into bed mm -hmm. but um and i would like i said i was worried about him and uh but then when we saw him again the next day saturday morning when he was anchoring moderating whatever you want to call it the tng panel he was back yeah. to his usual ebullient <laughs> self you know and um he was delightful the whole panel was delightful and we'll talk about that more later mm -hmm. so um that's kind of what was going on with that yeah so it it was I think a little nerve-wracking for Steve Wozniak he said this is the first time I've ever done anything like this which is kind of weird for somebody in his position like he's just he's never done an on-stage interview with other people. right where he's had to be the interviewer right um, so he oh gosh I don't have the thing in front of me and does it even say their names now I feel stupid because I can't remember the one woman is Simone and I can't remember her last name but she does uh, shitty robots yes on YouTube and the other woman is a physicist and I feel and grad student and grad student and I feel very bad that I can't remember her name right now um, I'll, I'll look it up later and we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes um, they were both great. I mean, they were very charming and mm -hmm. had a lot of funny answers, but Steve Wozniak was really nervous. And yes, he was. He had prepared a very long list of questions that were more like, you know, cats or dogs or, or <laughs> like that kind of thing rather than real discussion topics. 
and I was really amused because when he would ask them that kind of question, one of them would immediately go, and what about you? What do you think about this? And he was like not having any part of it. He was right. just looking at his phone and getting on to the next question. Mm-hmm. So it was a little more sort of Jeopardy-like than actual <laughs> actual interview, but I appreciated their, their answers. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really fun, and it was, it was good to hear them talk about their experiences and um, you know, a little bit about what they do and um, what their kind of, you know, their plans are and their hopes mm-hmm. and dreams. So that was good. And there was a good crowd of people there yeah. to hear them. So that was really nice. Yeah. Now, before we get too much further into the con, I want to read something from oh, the front yes, of please. the program. Yes. It's the the welcome page and it's from Steve Wozniak. Mm-hmm. You know, he, this was his bright idea. He set it up. He um, he got the whole city of San Jose yeah. city government involved in this, but it says, I want to read just a little bit of this. Welcome to Silicon Valley Comic Con 2017, the future of humanity. <laughs> the and future. then Steve says, I am so happy to be once again welcoming you to Silicon Valley Comic Con. While last year was a huge success, yes. SVCC 2.0 promises to be <laughs> even bigger and better. At the end of last year's event, we surveyed a lot of our attendees to find out ways to improve all aspects of SVCC. What we heard was that you wanted more content around space exploration, robotics, VR slash AR, green technology, and STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. We also heard that the show felt a bit crowded. Well, we listened to your feedback. They did. Yes, and then he goes on to talk about how it's no longer just in the convention hall. You know, it it has moved out into the street and into that theater across the street. But we were talking about that was the um the enormous amount of science content and presentation presentation yeah. as opposed to pop culture celebrity things. Mm-hmm. And certainly there was a huge amount of cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, more than I've ever seen at a con, and I'm wondering if that was due to Adam Savage being there. I think some of it was, but I also think cosplay is just a huge thing right oh, now. Oh, it is. For a lot of reasons. You know, um, there have been some reality shows on TV mm-hmm. that are about cosplay. You know, they're much more visible in the media. If you're into comics at all, you just see people dressed up all the time, and it's become so much more mainstream. It used to be a really, really specialized thing, but now. Lots and lots of people do it. So it, what we saw here was not more than I've seen at other comic book conventions, mm. but certainly more than at other science fiction conventions. Okay. So I, I think that that is the difference. But I also think you're right, Adam Savage's influence and the fact that he was having um, a little area where you could get your, your costume fixed for free mm-hmm. by him and his team was like, what an awesome idea that is. I was so impressed that they decided to do that. Yeah. That was great. And it's just so many panels and speakers and everything were from actual scientific fields, yeah. making presentations, yeah. explaining things. It was not a big place for celebrities. Bill was the biggest name there. And, of course, Bill is the biggest name any place he goes. <laughs> but, I mean... And and the you know the TNG people were there and you know they were doing autographs and photo ops but that was not the big no the big emphasis or the big part of this no, at they all. Had Buzz Aldrin here. I mean, yeah, like that's that's the biggest name probably. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh my god, an actual astronaut. He went to the moon. Yeah, there were several different panels presented by various people from NASA. Yeah, and it was it was just amazing. And I could see this over time maybe developing into something that. 
with very few exceptions, doesn't really do too much celebrity. Yeah. And it's more about science and the fandoms themselves. Yeah. And people with an interest in science. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I we were saying this, that um, th- this is one of the few cons that doesn't have panels that are like movie premieres or just to boost a television show or just to, to talk about a comic or something. Mm-hmm. It was about actual topics that related to them. And I will say one exception to that panel that we saw on Saturday night. So yes. we'll get to that. But, okay. Um, but mostly it was just about promoting the fandoms that were there. And the the other celebrities who were there were <clears throat> more, um, you know, there were people from the D- DC shows. There was the, the guy from The Flash, Grant Gustin, and there was um, Draco Malfoy. <laughs> I know his name is Tom Felton, but I always call him Draco Malfoy. Uh, and, and there were some other people there, you know. And Michelle was doing autographs, was but doing, she, no. She didn't do any speaking. Right. Um, there was a photo op with... Um, Adam West and Burt Ward, but they mm-hmm. weren't like around and there wasn't a big Batman thing that mm-hmm. was around them. So that was a little unusual because at most of these cons, media companies take that as a, a place to promote their product. And there wasn't, I didn't feel there was a lot of product being pushed mm-hmm. at this con. As this grows, I think those media companies will want to. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Steve Wozniak and the people who run this will say, this has a different character and we're yeah. really not that interested in promoting your, your movie, your product, your whatever. Yeah. The, the uh, vendor's floor had so many artists, like oh, actual yeah. artists who were doing it. There was an artist alley where you could go and meet some artists and they were selling them but most of the other vendor stuff I mean there were some comic book dealers there but a lot of people were just selling cool stuff like there were people selling jewelry mm-hmm. um, where we bought some things you know they were there were charm bracelets that were mm-hmm. superhero themed or Hamilton themed or, or Zelda themed and it was all stuff that they were making and mm-hmm. selling and there was a lot more of that than like here's the DC booth and you can you know get previews or posters of uh, mm-hmm. whatever Superman. Like It just wasn't like that, which I liked. It was very refreshing. Yes, yes. It was also the biggest dealer's room I've seen in a huge. very long it time. Real, it, was, it was like three ballrooms that were kind yeah. of put together. So you well, went from one to the other, like through the, the walls. The, the last con we were at, well, that would have been this, this one last one. year. I'm trying to think which one it was where we were going... This is nothing of a dealer's room. I can't remember what it was. We went to... It was one in a hotel. Was it the one in... Um, it was Creation Con. Creation Con in Schumburg. Up in... Yeah, you, Rose, Rosemont. Rosemont. <laughs> yeah, Another one of those good Minnesota words. And they put words. all the vendors in like these little <clears throat> rooms that weren't really connected, so you had to go through hallways to get there. Yeah. It wasn't very good. No, not very good at all. But this was great. And, and there were... It was really good to see so many people on the floor, a lot of people in Artist's Alley, which mm-hmm. is sometimes like the bastard stepchild at these things where the artists are way off in Siberia and nobody goes to see them and you feel really bad. But there was plenty of traffic there. Oh, so yeah. That was, that was great. Really good. So let's see. So that was Friday night. So we did that. We did that. We walked around a little bit. But we didn't see any other panels. On I Friday, don't think did we did. No, okay. It was kind of short. Yeah. We came back, and then we went down on Saturday morning, and the big thing was the TNG panel. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful. Oh, my. So, so funny. So God, was, that was um, one of the highlights. It was. So, let's see. So, it's Bill, Brent Spiner, um, Gates McFadden, Jonathan, Jonathan Franks, Johnny. 
Yes, Johnny. Uh, uh, Marina Sirtis and Robert O'Reilly. Who no, played... you skipped. Um, oh, Tr- Denise Crosby. Yes, Sorry. Crosby. And Robert O'Reilly, who played Gowron. Uh, and they were great. They just sat on the stage, and Bill sat next to them. He encouraged them to talk a little bit. And then they just basically took questions from the audience. And Bill was a very good moderator. Oh, he really was. He got everybody to talk, and he made sure everybody got to say something. And he built on questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. And I noticed several times people asked Bill a question, and he immediately deflected it to the rest of them and didn't, yes. like... He just didn't, yes. which was good because he was supposed to be the moderator and not the star of that panel. So good it, for him. The whole thing was such a delight, but I really have to give special thumbs up to Marina Sirtis <laughs> because um, I had never heard her speak or, or anything. And I always thought Troy was a drip because she was. Marina Sirtis is such a pistol. Oh, my God. Oh, my so God. Funny. She's sort of take no prisoners <laughs> and so funny, so quick. And they all were very, very quick. They I mean, were. you know, there wasn't a dim bulb up there. And it was a completely delightful hour and a half. It was. They were great. They were funny. They told stories. They told stories that we hadn't heard before, mm-hmm. which is amazing at this point. Like, you think you've heard all the stories. Well, for me, any story from TNG almost yeah. is news. But, but mm-hmm. even, like... Stories that you think you would have heard mm-hmm. were stories that they were telling. So it was it was really good, um, and they were good. They answered a lot of fan questions, you know, in a in a very honest way. And they had some really fun interaction with Bill. That was good. Mm-hmm. They talked about science. They talked about how important fandom was. Um, they talked about how grateful they are to be in the position that they were. I mean, they all come across as genuinely very nice people mm-hmm. who had a good time, and they're kind of embracing the life that they live now as icons. Right, you know? right. And liking, you know, one of the questions that, um, gosh, was it an audience question? It was a Bill question. He wanted to know, what do you think about touring? Oh, yes. And that was kind of interesting. You know, mm-hmm. He was comparing his... Uh, feeling of, of having toured like in plays and stuff and, and this one man show one man show and and they were just talking about it but I, I got the feeling that they all really enjoyed doing this kind of appearance mm-hmm. where they can come to a con they can see their friends right mm-hmm. that they've been on and just interact with the audience in this very loving way so yes it's good to hear that i, I like to know uh-huh. that they like doing these appearances oh they they genuinely seem to be having fun yeah. and you kind of got the feeling that um, that particular group of people has fun whenever they're together, whatever they have gotten together for. And so it was sort of like, you know, being in the room with a group of these these friends who have known each other so many years and have so many uh, jokes and affection for each other and respect for each other. It was was really, really delightful. Yes. So that was good. I'm so glad we saw that and that Mm -hmm. we got in early and got excellent seats. Yes. Another thing I have to point out, and we said this several times over the weekend, I've never been at a con that had such good food, ever. <laughs> you are usually living all weekend on... McDonald's. S- soda Pop, McDonald's, and Cheetos, right. or, or things or, or at that level. Or your protein bars that you just... Or your protein your bars yeah. that, you, that you've had. And the idea to have all these food trucks out at the plaza... We had such a great lunch yeah. on Saturday yeah. out in the fresh air, you know, at the protest and everything. And it, it, it's just wonderful that, you know, you go, oh, God, I've, and, and to be able to get out and get some fresh air. Yeah. To get away from the con, even though the con was going on out there, be out where there's some trees and grass and go, 
I just really need some ice cream or, you know, whatever it was. There was an amazing amount of wonderful food. Right, right. Such a variety of stuff. Like whatever you wanted, it was there. They yep. had meat. They had vegetarian stuff. They had, you know, different um, quote-unquote ethnic food. You know, there were different varieties of Asian. There were taco mm-hmm. trucks. There was the ice cream place. There was the free cotton candy, <laughs> which I had. Uh, of course. There was the root beer float place, which had amazing root beer floats. Mm-hmm. That was so delicious. And it was terrific. And, you know, the lines were long, but they moved quick. Every line at this thing moved quick. Yeah. I could not believe it. Because mm-hmm. usually when you're in a line, it, you're going to slog. Yeah. And, you know, some of them, yeah, you stood there for a bit. But then once it started moving, it was... Yeah. It just... That was great. It was extremely efficient. Yes. So, you know, big three cheers to them for doing what they did. And mm-hmm. I hope they do that every year from now on because it worked really, really well. Real, and I hope it was a great benefit to the city of San Jose. Yes. Because then they will continue to want to have this and to, you know, block off the downtown for this yeah. and have things in the plaza because, oh, that was... It was great. That was and, a gift. You know, I got to say the other thing about the food, which was so good and, again, very refreshing, is that... You're buying it from a food truck, and food truck food, you know, it's not cheap. It's not as cheap as McDonald's, but it's it's not overpriced for what you get. So, you are you know, you go up and maybe you pay 10 bucks, but you get a delicious meal for 10 bucks, as opposed to paying 10 bucks for, like, a horrible sandwich or, mm-hmm. you know, an awful hot dog or something in the basement of some hotel, which is what it's usually like yeah. at cons. Where, and in many cases, uh, this food in the food trucks is freshly prepared. It is. They're making it right in front of you. Yeah. The garlic fries we had yesterday, I mean, the garlic fries we had today were... That's a whole other story. Yeah, but the ones we had were, <laughs> were just, they were so good. Yes. It was all good. Yes. It was wonderful. Yeah. So let's see. So we did that. We had some lunch, and then we did some... Um, we did some science panels. Yes, and we should we should talk about those. Yeah. Um, was Phil Plate the first one we did no, after lunch? he was lunch? the last one. Okay. That was right before See, I get him confused. Home. Yeah, but we saw, oh, oh, we saw the one that was about um, exploring the solar system. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. So that was some... About the, yeah. The okay. NASA scientists, and they mm-hmm. were talking about uh, some of the issues that are facing us when we go to explore other planets. So... You know, sending robots and sending people. What are we looking for? What does what does it mean to look for life? And that was so interesting. Oh, and yeah. Just to hear them talking about how they have to. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> Got some burners. Yeah. Bubbles okay. caught. Continue. Uh, <coughs> how, you know, they, they are trying to use the extreme climates on Earth to anticipate some of the problems that they're going to have or what they might find in other places on other planets. And they talked about Mars, and they talked about uh, the moons, the, the, the moons that have uh, ice liquid on them, not necessarily water, but other types of liquid. And th- you could just tell that they were so passionate about what they do, and they really wanted to tell us about what they did. And, oh, the other thing, as um, Marina Sirtis said, when people were asking questions, she said, you people are so damn smart. We have never had questions like this. Right, and we we so said the same thing year, after last year. This yeah. was a whole different mindset yep. of, of fandoms. And and then the people asking questions of the scientists, they were mm-hmm. all really good questions, like yeah. really interesting, and they were like, oh, that's a great question, and then go mm-hmm. off to talk about them some more. So that was terrific. I really enjoyed that. Didn't we see another science panel in there? I'm, I'm forgetting now. Well, the... It, one of the things I wanted to point out about the NASA one was um, it was three speakers, mm-hmm. 
and one of them was a woman and she was introduced as being a real badass <laughs> and when you heard about you know oh well this woman you know has climbed you know the himalayas and everything and then gone to this and gone to that you know in part of her her exploration of the universe yeah. these extreme uh climates and oh my god you know and then all her degrees and everything and when she was talking about you know doing these things and showing slides it was fascinating it was just great it was good so we learned some stuff um and they they were yeah they were just really uh welcoming and i think all of the science that we heard was not dumbed down Mm-mm. but it was expressed very clearly so that you knew what they were talking about yeah i think you know nasa and different educational organizations and you know well-known people in their fields who participated in this i think they had been very careful to pick good communicators because yes. there is such a, a a thing now about we need to promote steam mm-hmm. and all these things are under attack from our government here in the united states yes. and so they they were going we can't you know throw hello i am your professor sort of person up here they had to be good communicators yeah. and That's they all were the ones we saw were you know they were terrific i really enjoyed that um i wish i had brought my phone down here because then i would have had this no, schedule yeah but after that one remember i took a break down in the the vip lounge uh-huh. and that's when you went and got a root beer float that's when i got a root beer float um so oh the fill plate thing was actually on friday night that was the last thing we did on friday oh before. friday that's okay that's right yeah that was a it was very action-packed. Yes. So much stuff. Happened. He was so interesting, <laughs> so delightful. He gave a, a, a lecture. <laughs> it was called Death from the Skies. But it was about, I personally learned a ton of stuff about comets and meteors and, and you know, their paths and how they differ in these different ways. And then he pointed out how badly these things were destroyed in two different movies. yes. yes. And it was hilarious, yes. but it was also so informative. Yeah, he's great. You know, he's a real astronomer. He's mm-hmm. done work with NASA. and He's discovered he's, stuff. He's discovered stuff. Um, he has a TV show now. He's on with Bill Nye. The right, he's the head writer for that's, Bill Nye. That's right. So there's a, a Bill Nye Netflix series, and I don't know what it's called. but It's, it's called Bill Nye Saves the World. There you go. So it's now on Netflix. Everyone should watch it because Bill Nye's awesome. So that's a thing. Um, and, yeah, he, he was very, very funny. And, again... You know, not talking down to the audience, but explaining big, important concepts, and it was great. It was just so good. I'm so glad we got to see him. Oh, yeah. That was really good. He was, like I say, wonderfully informative, wonderfully entertaining, Mm -hmm. and uh, he showed um, several different clips of this footage of, was it a meteor or a comet that exploded oh over Russia? Oh, my God. Uh, it was a comet, I think. Right. And that it, was amazing. And, and the reason they have so much footage of this is because apparently in Russia, and I've heard this, it's like a plague of people having fake car accidents. <laughs> so everyone has installed dash cams. Uh-huh. So they're, they're filming the whole time they're driving. And so this was during the day. People were out. And 
seeing this thing, you know, this flash come across the sky, and in one of them, it, it looks like it's coming right towards the car, oh and then it explodes, and that sound... <gasps> Breaking, shattering glass. Yes, so loud. yes. Oh. And so he was, you know, pointing out, okay, this is how far away this was. And so in the movies, when the thing is only 10 miles <laughs> from the atmosphere, and we exploded, if it did that to, you know, buildings... At the, you know, it was yeah. just like, okay, so that's not how it works. That's I, not how it's going to happen. I mean, that's the basic problem, right? It's like you have a giant thing coming at the earth. And at, you found about, out about it 18 days ago. ago. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's, it's coming towards you at, a, you know, whatever, like a, a million miles an hour. Faster than a bullet. Faster than a bullet, faster than a speeding bullet. So then you you break it, and now you have a hundred pieces coming towards you. At <laughs> yes. Miles an hour. Yes, we're going to cut it in half with a laser. You have multiplied your problem, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not a good thing. That's not what you want to happen. So um, that was really fun. So we went to this panel yesterday that was called "The Future of Humanity in Entertainment," and it was not quite as described. So here here's the thing. Um, here were the people on the panel, so I don't know who the moderator was. There was um, Ron Moore, which was kind of why we were, were interested, because he's a very good guy, written for lots of Star Trek. He did Battlestar Galactica and some other stuff. There was Matt Frewer, who's an actor who has been, uh, well, he was in Max Headroom most famously, mm -hmm. but he was on TNG. He was very mm -hmm. funny. Um, there was a, a guy named Chad, Chad Michael, Chad. Thomas. It was Chad Michael something. <laughs> He's some actor that I never heard of before. Who's going to be in this new show, right? Right, right. right. called okay. Extinct. Extinct. And then there was one of the writers for the show called Extinct. Extinct. And then there was a guy who was a designer for... for uh, Lucas. Lucas. Lucasfilm or yeah. Lucas whatever. So it was a little weird uh, that they had this mix of people on here, and it kind of felt like it was a big commercial for Extinct. <laughs> but the funny thing is... We get there, we're VIPs, we get in early and we sit down in the front row and, you know, we look at them and I hear the woman behind us go, hmm, the future of humanity, six white guys. And I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I know it's what you were thinking. Absolutely. Like, really, when you were putting this together, this was all you could do. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get one other person who wasn't a white guy to yeah. be on this panel. And I thought, from reading the description of it, that it was going to be, it was Future of Humanity in, in entertainment. entertainment. Yeah. So I thought, oh, they're going to talk about using virtual reality yeah. and having um, holographic images instead of live actors and all of this. No, no, it was... It was it was about disaster movies. Well, it was about disaster movies, and it was about how do you build a story and quack, quack, quack. It was... It was not special to that no. topic at all. No. I, I thought, you know, even if they're going to talk about the future of entertainment, the future of humanity in entertainment, it could be about, you know, how, how does our, our future as humans, how is that going to be portrayed in movies? Not about a TV show called Extinct, where <laughs> humans are extincted and then um, they somehow get resurrected by aliens. Like, that's not it. I mean, if you're going to talk about real the future, and they did talk about this a little bit, just mm -hmm. in terms of Star Trek being really optimistic and... And everything else being... Everything being really... Dystopian. You know, like, those are the future. That's how humanity is portrayed in some things. Like, let's let's talk a little bit more about that. And why is Star Trek so positive? And why are these others so negative? You know, like, there's some, mm -hmm. there's some really interesting um, 
not ethical, but moral things that have to do with it. You know, if you're creating a future that's like Blade Runner, is that really how you think about humanity? Do you really think mm -hmm. that things are going to get that bad? We're, we're that awful to each other? And conversely, if you're creating the Star Trek future, does that mean that you think that people are all really good? You know, like, mm -hmm. I, I was hoping that they would get into a little more of that, because that's cool, but they didn't really talk no, about that no. at all. No, no. One interesting thing came out of that to me, and I think it was Ron Moore who was talking about... He was very good, by the way. I yes, he was. Good. Talking about Wrath of Khan. Yeah, that was good. Now, this, this was something I'd never thought about, and you and I later dissected it a little, and we'll share that with you guys. But um, he was saying Wrath of Khan sort of killed it for the franchise, even though it went on for many, many movies. And I thought, oh, he's going to say because it, it was so good, nothing could live up to it. it. But what he was saying is Khan was such a fabulous villain that after that, every time they wanted to make a Star Trek movie, the studio's going, who's the Khan in this? Yeah. What's the Khan? Who's our supervillain that, you know, makes the movie? And he was saying it was with the exception of the whales. <laughs> That's the, the name the of the movie, the whales, is yes. the one with the whales. But um, And I thought, wow, that is interesting, because certainly some of those later movies ripped off Wrath of Khan oh, of course they did. so badly. But then when you and I were talking, that is not exactly true yeah. of the TOS movies that come afterwards, because we were saying, um, you know, Three is Search for Spock, and Krug is kind of a, a standard Klingon villain. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's fun. He's played by Christopher yeah. Lloyd. but um, That's not actually the plot of that movie, really. No. It's, it's about the search for Spock, which is right. not a villain-based thing. Right. Then we have the one with the whales, which has no villains, yep. no violence. Is is lighthearted, even though it's a serious situation. Yep. Then we have six. Five. five oh, five. Five. five yeah, and we're talking <laughs> about Cybok. Yeah. And Cybok, again... Uh, the, the one guy who's an actor, you know, had said, when you're playing a villain, you have to find what in him, not makes him a villain, but makes him think he's the hero, yeah. you know, the hero of his own story. And that's kind of what Cybok was. He wasn't out to conquer the world, mm -hmm. to cause people to do anything, to get revenge. He thought what he was doing was a good, helpful thing. Yep. So that's definitely not a con. Yep. Um, six was about treason, mm -hmm. not a supervillain. Not a con. Not, not, not a con. So, and a part of why I think it, was, it went that way in TOS and not in the TNG movies was in TOS, especially after the huge success of Wrath of Khan and that they couldn't get Leonard back unless he agreed to this, that, mm -hmm. and the other thing. Well, Leonard more than Bill, because I think he was more interested than Bill at that point, uh, came to wield a lot of power mm -hmm. over those movies. And he would bring Nick Meyer in either as a consultant or as the director. And Nick Meyer is such a good storyteller. And between the two of them, they were able to keep that on track, to focus it, to do the stories they thought were Star Trek stories. Mm -hmm. And Wrath of Khan definitely was a Star Trek story, but part of what made Khan the great villain was he had this history with Kirk. Mm -hmm. We all knew that history. We didn't need exposition police. And so it was a very personal thing. It was very definitely in the Star Trek universe. Mm -hmm. The minute you throw, keep throwing in supervillain after supervillain, I feel like you've left the Star Trek universe. I kind of think so. And they, and they did that with Generations, right? Like mm -hmm. they had uh, Soren, who was a supervillain. I mean, 
they tried to make it that he wasn't really evil. He was mm -hmm. just doing it. But he is evil because he's willing to sacrifice, you know, like... All these lives. All these lives for his own personal thing. And that's definitely a villain thing. And then they kept doing that with the villains in the TNG movies. And mm -hmm. we were talking about First Contact and whether they could have made that movie just about the First Contact without the Borg complication. You know, mm -hmm. if you're going to fuck around with time travel... They could have made up some other reason that wasn't Borg-based right. for the time travel. And I, I think they could have made it work just as well. Mm -hmm. So they could have done a movie without the villain. Yeah. And then yeah. the other movies were just stupid. Yeah. They're just standard villainy and villain explosions. Movies. And then they, it's the same thing in the, the Abrams movies, you know? With just like there has to be a giant villain that they have to overcome mm -hmm. at the end. Yes, yes. Meh. So, but, but that was interesting. And, uh yes. Personally, I think anything that gets you and me interest or that catches our imagination, gets us talking and analyzing even deeper and deeper into Star Trek, good thing. Yeah, definitely. But it was weird. Um, we will also mention as a side note that Extinct, Extinct is brought to you by BYU TV, which is apparently made by Brigham Young University. We are guessing. We are, we guessing. are supposing. Um, and I, this was further sort of tipped because the one guy who was the writer for Extinct mentioned that he'd been working with Orson Scott Card on an Ender's Game thing and I thought that's it, that's the connection right there yeah. so it was a little weird mm -hmm. um, it, it, and they they literally played a commercial for Extinct right before the panel came in and started talking and, and it, was also... it looked to me rather <laughs> amateurish, uh -huh. a little cheap and it certainly didn't look like what I am used to seeing, TV, Netflix, Amazon Prime, trying to hook me on a sci-fi series. Yep. Well, that's going to happen. So if you're into that sort of thing, maybe you want to watch. Oh, yeah. So BYU, it's Brigham Young University. Is it? Okay. Okay. Right and they have other programs as well. Maybe this is their first foray into science fiction. Could be. So that's what they're doing right now. Uh, let's see. Let's take a little break. Yes. Just for a minute, and then we'll come back and we'll tell you about uh, what we did today. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before. So then we came back to the house and we watched Doctor Who. <laughs> and a, a, a good time was had by all. It was. It was really fun. So we did that. Um, then we got up and we went back today. And today, <laughs> and uh, today we saw uh, a panel um, given by uh, the woman who was the the linguist, who was the advisor on Arrival, which was a movie we both enjoyed very much. Yes. And so she spoke for an hour about linguistics, and it was really interesting. It was really fun. It really was. At the end, you said, "Oh, so this was linguistics one hundred and one." Yeah. And it it was fascinating to me. I mean, I, I you know, I know about grammar and writing mm -hmm. and stuff, but to to really break down 
language into its yeah. pieces and find out about these things that are universal to human yeah, languages yeah. was really good. It was good. She did an excellent job. She took a lot of information, uh, some of it fairly technical, and she broke it down really well. Again, mm-hmm. very clear communicator. So she was able to start with simple concepts and then kind of build on them. And a lot. And it was all to illustrate, you know, human languages are very diverse, but they also have a lot of things in common. But we're, they're all spoken by humans. So if we were to start looking at alien languages, like where do you even start? You know, how can what do we what could we have in common with them where we could start to figure out what it was? But one of the things I really liked about Arrival was how the the work that that the, um, Louise did to try to understand the heptapods language was field work. You know, and mm-hmm. then she um, Jennifer Kuhn, I think her name is, she talked about her field work that she had done in Mexico. And it was like, yes, that's exactly what it's like. Like you go in, you don't know the language, you try to make friends with people, you try to learn a little bit of their language and you spend a lot of time asking questions. Like, how do you say this? Mm-hmm. And like, if I say this word to you and if I say this sentence to you, does that make any sense? And yeah. that's how you figure out how the language works. And uh, it, she also gave us a lot of information, which I thoroughly enjoyed about, uh, you know, that is the findings they are discovering um, about how babies learn yeah, language yeah. and how much of these universalities in human language appear to be hardwired into our brains yeah. from from day one. And I found that fascinating. Yeah. There's a lot of argument in linguistics about uh, how much of it is quote-unquote hardwired and uh, some people disagree pretty violently about that, but it seems pretty clear that our brains are at least super prepped for language, mm-hmm. that there's something in it that, that makes us really receptive to any kind of language, and it doesn't have to be spoken, because people learn sign language like, mm-hmm. you know... Oh, you see tiny babies being taught yeah, sign so, language. Yeah, so it's any kind of language. It doesn't any have to be spoken, but any kind of, of communication like that, we seem really, really ready for it, so is it... Is it a language thing? I mean, a lot of language is just pattern recognition to, to mm-hmm. a certain degree. And then there's the, you know, the grammar part that lays on top of it. So did we have some kind of specialized area in our brains that got readapted for language from some other thing that it used to do? Well, you know, know. In, in, in evolutionary theory, if there's someone in the tribe who has an ability to a heightened extent that the rest of you, the rest of you are at a, a lower level or an ability that the rest of you don't have, but it's useful. Yeah. Those are the people you want to mate with and reproduce, and that's a drive. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not a conscious thought. But, you know, so communication among any sort of tribal society, group society, yeah. um, is essential. Yep. And the the people who, you know, they you know, like the strongest man, you know, yeah. but he might not be able to tell anybody, you go over yeah. there on that side of the yeah. mastodon. Yeah. You know, so the communicator, you would really that would be, you know, a sought after yes. person to have sex with and have his children yes. in hopes of reproducing. It would be a huge evolutionary advantage. It would to have good communication. So but but where does it come from? You know, like what is it that made that happen? Random know. mutation. Random mutation. Nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. It's funny it, it, when you look at the way that they name um, 
you know, the, the species of, of Homo sapiens, well, before the Homo sapiens, but the different ones, there's the Homo habilis, which is handyman, you know, he's like the tool <laughs> guy. And then Homo sapiens is the, the smart one, the, right. the sapiens and knowledge. It should be about communication, like whatever, the, we, we should be the communicating Homo guys. <laughs> yes. Because that's what we do really, really well. We're not actually that smart. We're not actually that good at using tools, but we're really good at communicating with each other. That's our thing. Do you remember the old Saturday Night Live sketch with Steve Martin in the Stone Age? And he's really smart. Mm-hmm. And he speaks like we we speak. Like, look, fellas, if we rub these sticks together, it makes fire. And they're all like, fire. Oh. <laughs> but they, they, they drive home that rev- evolutionary point so beautifully because, you know, Steve Martin's trying to explain things to people. And Lorraine Newman comes up to him in her cave girl outfit and goes, you make me wet. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's how it happened. There was one smart guy, yeah. and all the women went, I want him. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was really, it was a good talk. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I'm glad they invited her to speak. You know, she didn't talk that much about the movie, but she used a lot of the movie in what she was talking about. And, and, and at, you know, at the beginning, she set it all up. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, this is the ways in which it was similar yeah. to actual field work, the way you would actually do it and had to start small. But then at the end, she did, you know, tie it back together. Yep. So I think, you know, if you went to that talk, and had seen the movie, or if you went to the talk and later saw the movie, you'd have a greater appreciation for the process. Yep, I, I think so. I think that's what she was trying to do. She was the interesting info dump the movie cannot do. Yes. They have to skim the surface showing those yeah. things. And, and she said a lot of things that I, as a linguist, I was like, yes, thank you for saying that linguists aren't translators, because that's not what we are. And thank you also for saying that not all linguists speak a lot of languages, because mm-hmm. that was also something we were just talking about earlier. Yes. And I love that there's a meme that's like, you know, oh, you're a linguist? How many languages do you speak? And the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just no. Don't ask me that. Don't want to answer it. Um, so that was really good. And then we uh, took a little break. We walked outside, got a little food. You got some uh, ice cream. And then we saw Adam Savage. Yes. And he just basically answered questions for an hour about stuff he's doing and Mythbusters and cosplay and education and uh, the maker community. And, and he is very delightful and charming and funny mm-hmm. and Really entertaining for an hour, so that was great. That was wonderful. It was a great ending for us to yeah. the con. We didn't want to see things after that, but I want you to talk for a minute. It was either at the NASA or the SETI, or I'm getting them confused, <laughs> but you brought up a question about ethics, and I want you to talk about oh, that a sure. little. Well, it's something that I, I think about whenever I hear these, um, you know, the different kinds of space exploration that we're doing, and we're sending all these robots. You know, they were joking at one point, What's the only planet in our solar system solely inhabited by robots? Well, right now, it's Mars that we know of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there could be robots on other planets that we didn't put there. Um, and and there could be other inhabitants of Mars right. there, there that, we, a, don't that we don't know about, about. And, which is why our robots know, are now there. Now it's like, okay, now they're talking about sending humans. And I always think about Star Trek and the Prime Directive. And exactly. I was almost thinking I, that was going to be their answer. I, I was really thinking <laughs> it, but I didn't want to say it. I just, you know. But I, I really wanted them to talk about, which they did. It was great. Um, you know, what are the ethics of this? We're going to Mars. 
we've sent these robots and the robots have been sterilized as best we can and then just by virtue of being on the surface of Mars they get kind of re-sterilized by the, the radiation so mm -hmm. we're not too worried that those robots are contaminating the, the planet or bringing anything harmful or destroying anything I mean they're so small it's like they're taking these little tiny samples of mm -hmm. dirt and uh, you know it's They're fine. just hoping the butterfly effect yeah. isn't real. Yeah, you know, it, it's okay. <clears throat> and then the they were talking about one of the other ones that, that's going up that's actually got like a coring device, and it's going to go down a little bit further. And I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. Like, mm -hmm. how far down is it going to go? And what if it damages something? You know, what if it, what if it damages fossils? What if it hits something down there? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe there's some liquid chemicals? Like... Okay, that's a problem for me. I, yeah. And, I, and and then when you start sending humans, as one of them said, humans are microbe factories. Right. We're walking around on everything. Yeah, so so I just wanted them to, to talk about the decision-making and the thinking, and they did. They said, this is a huge problem. People are talking about it all the time. It's very difficult, and they're, they're always weighing the risks versus the opportunities and what mm -hmm. they can do and trying to take all these precautions and... I, w I was glad to hear them talk about it. And it feels like it's a thing that, that you don't hear about very much. No. Because people get so jazzed about the tech. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. we're sending robots. We're sending people in spacecraft. And it's like, well, is it okay for us to do that? Even the moon, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, the moon is a dead planet, but should we colonize it? Like, should we? Should we send people up there to live and tear it up and mine mm -hmm. it and strip it? And I don't know, like. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I really found interesting, like you say, nobody really talks about that side of it. And the one guy, in addition to just saying, yeah, people are talking about this and thinking about this, he said, oh, yeah, there's, there are people, who, that's their job, and they, they are writing policies. Yeah, and yeah, I wanted to go, right. what's in those policies? Well, yeah. But I got the feeling it was probably, like, not for public <laughs> consumption right now, but I'm like, prime directive. It's yeah. the prime directive, isn't it? Isn't it? It is. That's right. I forgot that, that mm -hmm. they have actual committees who are trying to make policy and law about and what you can I do. love that. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad that they, uh, at least a long time ago, said, Nobody gets to own the moon, right? Like, mm -hmm. nobody goes up there and plants a flag on it and go, okay, this belongs to Russia, this belongs to the United States. Like, you can't do that, and mm -hmm. you can't do that with other planets as well. But um, I don't know. It, it's, it's a thing that we really need to be cognizant of. Um, when they were talking in uh, that, when Phil Plate was talking about mining asteroids, mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking of the same thing. It's like, well... Who owns those asteroids, you know? Who's going to make all the money when they mine them? Is it going to be governments? Is it going to be private companies that do this? Like, this is important stuff we need to think about. It is, about. especially because our whole world is based on economy, on economics. Yeah. And the person who has the idea or the, the people who have the backing of people who have money, whoever can put it into action, to a great extent, owns it for quite some time while others are trying to catch up, and then you can protect it all through your copyright and your trademark. And, um, you know, I've read certain science fiction where mining the the asteroid belt and everything for water, for ice, right, 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 yeah. is, is, is saving Earth because we've fouled all our water. But if that's a private corporation, how much are they charging for this water? Exactly. It's, yeah. it's just like, you know, these uh, big pharma charging astronomical amounts for pills that will keep people oh, alive, yep. but their focus is is bottom line. It's yeah. it's not the health of humans. Yep. 
you know, uh, like just take one thing. He's, Phil Plate was saying that um, asteroids can have many things. They can have mm -hmm. iron, which is really useful. They can have platinum, which is kind of rare on Earth. Mm -hmm. They can have gold. So let's take gold. Let's say that there's an asteroid that has a lot of gold in it for some reason, and we get it, and we're going to start mining it. What does that do to the economy? So mm -hmm. gold is something that humans like. It's very shiny. Uh, we like to make jewelry out of it, but we also use it for some things. You know, it's used in scientific experiments, and they still do gold teeth. And, you know, there's, there's things you can use gold for. Most of the gold that we have in the United States is, or rather in the world, is produced by... Um, horrific processes. So it's strip mined out of the ground or people uh, have to go, very poor people have to go underground mm -hmm. to mine it in horrible, horrible working conditions and they get paid next to nothing and they die very early and like that because people like gold. Mm -hmm. So when you flood the market with gold or if somebody now has all this gold, is that good or bad? Because on one hand, now we have an abundance of this thing that used to be really rare, but does it mean that the one company that does all the mining now has a stranglehold on it, and the people who are mining for gold on Earth have to work twice as hard to get it because now the price has fallen because this one company has so much of it. So when you used to be able to sell it for you know whatever, now you have to get twice as much of it to, to make a living off of what you, like, I don't know, like, it, now it's really complicated. I but don't know. that has already happened once with diamonds. Right. Because for a long time, all the diamonds came from South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. Very rare, very hard to get. People liked them. They were shiny, but expensive as hell. Then they discovered a ton of diamonds, I believe, in South America, right? And all of a sudden, I mean, the diamond market could have completely collapsed, but there is a consortium or whatever yeah. that controls each year. How many diamonds are released? Yeah. But could they do that with gold? I mean, I don't know. I really do not know. But I think that the economic implications of the kinds of things he was talking about are, well, he said it, you know, it's mm -hmm. going to be world changing, literally. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, what it's going to do to the human mindset, because I think most people don't think about things. It's like, why would we go to space? What's out there? That there are things there of real value, mm -hmm. things they can understand. And God forbid when we find, I don't know how, it probably won't affect people so much if we find live microbial life, mm -hmm. but if we run into actual what we consider aliens, actual intelligence, I think it's, it, I don't know. It's, I, uh, yeah, well, that, that's going to be a whole, a whole thing. But even, I, I, I would disagree and say, even if and when, and I think it's probably a when, we find some kind of microbial, very simple life on other planets or moons, that's going to change a lot of people because um, there are so many people, because of religious or other reasons, who think that we are special. We're the only yes. ones. We're, we're the chosen ones. Mm -hmm. Well, and I can't even remember who was saying it, that, you know, up until, was it Copernicus? Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, we were Earth, the center of everything. Uh, right. He said we were the, um, the... The geocenter. The geocenter of the universe. And once we find 
something else. We are no longer the biocenter. Right. Yeah. I was like, wow. So, yeah, that is going to freak people so out. So even micro microbes or bacteria or whatever that we mm -hmm. find somewhere else, suddenly we're displaced from being the center. Like, I think that's super cool and it's mm -hmm. great and all that. But And there are going to be a lot of nut jobs who are going to say, well, then we have to send nukes to that planet and kill them all because soon they will develop into something that will come kill us. Uh, yeah, in, you know, billions of years. You'll be dead by then. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Uh, so lots of science. I felt like we, we definitely had a really good balance of mm -hmm. uh, pop culture and science and all the things that we went. And there could have been so much more. Literally every time we oh, went to a panel, it was like, well, we have four to choose from. Which are we going to go see? Mm -hmm. And all of them sounded equally interesting. Yeah, what's the one we... What's the one we want to see the most yep. for some reason? Yep. So I, I felt like there was an abundance of choice for this particular one. And it was really great. And... Um, it was really nice not staying in a hotel, oh. and being able to come back to my house, which was good. And and your fabulous guest bed. <laughs> I love it. And just kind of hanging out and relaxing. And, and gosh, it's like now my voice is going and I'm just really tired because we had so much fun. It yes, yes. It was a super, yes. super fun con. It, it was, you know, it was worth losing all our energy and everything. I <laughs> totally, mean, we got sleep totally. and all this, but we it's did, just, but it's exhausting. boy, your, your, your brain and your fun cycle is on high, a high revving or something yeah. because we really have had a good time. Yep. So we will continue going to this particular con until it gets too big for its own good. <laughs> yes. And then we'll say, no, nope, that no, was okay. Or if we'll go to something that's a little bit smaller, but Right now, it was good. If it's the same size next year, I will be really pleased. Mm -hmm. And I think um, if any of you are ever planning on going, if you want to go for all three days, the, the VIP thing is absolutely the way to go. So right. Good. It's like an extra, what, what did we think it was, $50? 50, 50 or something like we that. We easily got good. that in free water and beer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just general sort of... This is nice. This is a good way to go. We don't have to wait online. We have our little room to go mm -hmm. to. It was all good. Um, before we close, because yes. I'm assuming we're closing soon, yes. did you want me to talk for a minute about Kreskin? <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll tell this story because it's a good lead up to, to I, I, I was going to say, I don't yeah. even remember how Kreskin came so, into the conversation. So, so we're walking around the floor, and of course, any, you know, as we're kind of like pinballing around, just going bong, bong, looking at things. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. And anytime we see something that says Star Trek on it, it's like, oh, Star Trek. And then we walk over to see what it is. So we're walking around and we see, oh, Star Trek. And it's like, what is it? Oh, it's 3D chess. So there's a place that has beautiful um, but small uh, uh, 3D chess sets that you can buy. And I posted pictures to, the, that, to our Facebook. Right. So if you've looked on Facebook, you've seen them. They're really nice. They're licensed. Um, they have, you know, beautiful thick acrylic plastic. And then the little pieces are weighted. And, and the book the book that comes with it is actually how to play this. How to play it. So it's not just decorative. You can actually mm -hmm. play chess. And the people working there were very nice, and we were talking. And so uh, I was saying, we used to have a 3D chess set. I remember my brother had one, my, my brother the Trekkie. And I thought, I wonder if he still has it. So I took a picture, and I texted it to him. And I was like, hey, <laughs> look at this 3D chess set. Whatever happened to the one you had? And he said, wow, I don't know. It must have fallen apart because I don't have it anymore. Hey, by the way, I'm going to a, a comic book convention in Secaucus, New Jersey. And uh, I said, oh, cool. Who's going to be there? And he said, the cast of Lost in Space. <laughs> and then I went on the Internet, and I saw that at that con is going to be the amazing Kreskin, who I thought was dead. And so I 
said, oh, you have to go see him. And he said, yes, he's on my list and I'm, he's going to be amazing. So I told this to you sitting next to me and then <laughs> you said. <laughs> I was hypnotized by the amazing Kreskin. And I was like, wow, how have I known you all these years? And I never knew that you personally had been hypnotized by Kreskin. Yes. <laughs> Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the amazing Kreskin, a lot of people, or young, the, as I can call him, because we have that kind of relationship. The, the young people probably yes. have no idea who the hell Kreskin used to be on talk shows, Merv Griffin, yes. everything like that. And his whole thing was, he, he wasn't a magician. No. But he would, you he know. He was a mentalist. He was a mentalist. That's exactly what he said. And he would hypnotize people, and it was funny, la, la, la. Yeah. And that was really. That was his whole thing. That was his whole thing. He, he would do other tricks, too, like, like you know, I know what the exact amount of the paycheck in the check in your pocket is. Mm -hmm. Or I know your phone number, and he would, he would just get a rant random person out of the mm -hmm. audience and well, say what their phone number was. Okay, yeah. as having been a member of the audience, I'm going to expand the story oh, a little please, from what please. I told you. Uh, when I was in college, my college had this quote-unquote lecture series. Of, you know, there's all kinds of people you can hire to come speak yeah. at your event. And so every year it was different things. And, and apparently he had been coming once a year to our college for a little while. And so Kraskin was going to be there. Woohoo! And everybody said, oh, it's great. you got to be there. You know, get there early, sit in the front, and when he asks for a group of volunteers, just bam, because everybody rushes yeah, the yeah. stage. But first he did a lot of his usual shtick. And one of the things that was his shtick was he would ask the people who were paying him to put his check in an envelope and hide it in the theater. Right. And if he could not find it. He didn't get paid. He didn't get paid. Right, right. Okay. Well, um... So he's going through the audience, you know, trying to pick up the vibes. <laughs> and a friend of mine, guy I knew, said, okay, I'm going to see if I can mess uh -huh. up Kreskin. So he sat there thinking, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. You know, just uh -huh. thinking it. And Kreskin started coming towards <gasps> him. And he got so scared <laughs> that he went, no, no, stop me. <laughs> did he find the paycheck? Yes, he did. Oh, good. It was stuffed down in the... Um, the cover of an ironing board in the lighting <gasps> booth. Wow. Ooh, that's pretty creative. Yes. Wow. So then when he got to the part where he was going to do group hypnosis, you know, we need volunteers, boom, we're up there. And there were probably 30 of us. Oh, wow, that's a lot. Oh, it is. And he explained, he says there's no such thing as hypnosis. There's just putting somebody in a relaxed state. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to do anything they wouldn't normally do. But you just become very suggestible, mm -hmm. you know, to different things. So, uh, the, like one of the very first things he had us do, and you're going to have to help me describe uh, this for podcasting, but was to spin our, our hands around each other yeah, in it, front of us. It kind of, it, it's almost like you're um, pedaling a bike with your hands. Yes. Okay. So you had to do that. And he said, you can't stop. So we're all doing this. And my arms started to get tired and I'm still doing it because uh, I'm showing it to you. And I thought, if I really concentrate, I can stop. So I was really focusing on this. Slow down, slow down. You can stop. And I was fighting it. It was hard. Ooh. But I was managing to slow down. And he, he then came up right behind me and went, faster. <laughs> that, that was it. He had us, you know, I don't remember 
any of the other stuff. I mean, it's not like he wiped my memory. I think it's just not. not he did a Doctor Who memory wipe. That's me. right. That's right. He did a hard reset on me. <laughs> but um, so that's my experience with the amazing Creston. Wow, that's so fantastic. I am, I am amazed. <laughs> to quote. The Amazing Christ. No, that that's fantastic. I we used to watch him on TV. I oh, remember yeah. watching him on TV. Yep. Yeah. I I remember reading in some book that um, he really fought being called a magician. Yes. He always wanted to be called a mentalist. That's so one I, of the things he talks about. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So. So he's alive and he's still doing stuff. And my brother's going to go see him. So I can't wait to hear about that. And oh I, well, tell tell I'm your brother. Tell him it's like volunteer. You have to get up there on the stage and, tell and, me what and yeah, see what happens. Wow. Well, he's going to listen to this podcast. So listen, brother. I'm telling you right yeah. now. You have to run up there and volunteer. You and your friend, and be there. And hey, trip him up. Do it. Yeah. Do it. You can do it. You're you, you're strong mentally. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not. Well, you were young then. <laughs> That's right. Now, if he tried to hypnotize you and get you to do that, you'd be like, no, no. I'd, I'd still be like, okay, okay, this is fun. Yeah, I want to try this. Oh, boy. All right. Yep, so I think that's going to do it for this particular episode. So, yes, um, we've, we've just had such a wonderful weekend with the con and, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, hanging out together and getting good food. Oh, we didn't talk about today's lunch. Oh, well, after we went, after Adam Savage, we walked a block and a half to uh, Gordon Biersch, which is a chain here in California. I don't know if they're anywhere else. I've they? never seen them anyplace else. Oh, um, but they brew their own beer. And they have the most amazing garlic fries you will ever have in your life. And they oh. were amazing today. And on the menu, they're the legendary they are. garlic fries. They're totally legendary. And they were they were great. We probably still stink of garlic. We pr- and, uh, yeah, I'll probably stink of that for a long time because I had then with, you know, we split the garlic fries, but I had ahi tuna mm. with, you know, ginger on, like, taco chips or something you know <laughs> yeah. like that with three different dips and oh my god this this was the freshest tuna i couldn't get over it oh, so three cheers gordon Biersch. yes it was great and it wasn't crowded and we had a nice server and oh, yeah. had some lovely cider and oh, it was all good it was all mm-hmm. really good oh by the way if you decide to go to silicon valley comic-con um there's a light rail that runs right into the convention center like right in front of it do that. Don't drive. No. Driving is bad. Park somewhere far away far where away. parking's free. Yeah, and there's parking lots right where the light rail is, so we can 100% recommend the light rail. It totally worked for us. It was $2 a ride. It was super cheap. Oh, yeah. And really convenient and all the rest of it, so I just wanted to put that plug in for yes. public transportation. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, so that'll do it for this particular show, so... Gosh, what would our next convention be? Uh, this one again next year, but are, are there any coming up that we were planning on going to? I haven't heard of one. Um, there will probably be a Creation Con in, in Rosemont again. Mm-hmm. We'll see, you know, yeah. if Bill's going to be there, if we want to do that or yeah, we'll whatever. See. So uh, as far as other things that Bill is doing uh, that... Oh, he shilled. Well, he shilled like crazy for all the things... <laughs> He, oh, this was the best part, though. So he t- let's, he talked about, he didn't talk about Better Late Than Never, which surprised no. me a little bit. But he did talk about his um, his documentary that he did with Stephen Hawking and some other mm-hmm. astrophysicists that I, we saw it advertised. Yes. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, it's something in the stars, uh, the, the answers stars. are in the stars or I something. Know. I don't something know. Like that. He talked about the horse show, yep. which was really good. Um, he talked about this new movie that he's going to be in called Senior Moment. Mm-hmm. And then the best part was that 
uh, he was asking Steve Wozniak if he writes, if he reads science fiction. And Wozniak said, well, I don't have a lot of time to read, but I do love reading science fiction when I can. And Bill said, there's a book you should read. It's called, um, uh, what's it called? Zero G. Zero G. It's a book you should read. It's really good. It's called Zero G. I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> it's about G-Men in space. space. You'll love it. You'll love it. <laughs> it, was, it was the most shameless and yet casual shill of all time. It, to, to Steve Wozniak. Yes, it was. It was wonderful. Oh my God! We laughed. We were like punching each other, laughing mm-hmm. so hard because <laughs> I wrote it. <laughs> yep. Well, Bill, Bill Schill. He'll, he'll, um, you know, when he passes, and we hope that's going to be a long, long, long time away. He will sell advertising in his oh funeral program or whatever. Oh, he will, and he'll have like. <laughs> five years worth of other stuff that he shilled for that will continue to be released. It's mm-hmm. like the way, <clears throat> you know, Prince has been dead for a year and there's still new Prince stuff and there will be new Prince music probably forever because he recorded so many things. Oh, yeah. And there'll be Bill stuff just forever because he's got so much going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so live long and prosper, Bill. We love you. Yes. Uh, so that's it. And we'll be back next time where we got just so much more stuff that we're going to talk about. Woohoo! All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you.